0: Mac Power Users, episode 336, iPhone for productivity. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks.
1: Hello, K- Katie Floyd.
0: Yeah, we're going back to the iPhone. I, you know, we've been so big on the iPad recently. I uh, figured it was time to talk about getting things done with the iPhone.
1: Yeah, in particular, I, I was looking at, you know, because everybody talks about productivity as this big generic term. And I thought, what are the little things we do? Because a phone has a small screen. It's harder to type on, but it's always in your pocket. There are certain things you can do with a phone that it's just ideal for and what i thought would be fun to do is we took some categories and you and i shared the workflows that make the most sense for us to do on a phone as opposed to a mac or an ipad or a scrap of paper or some other thing
0: and truth be told the iphone is probably my most used computer just by virtue of the fact that it's always with me
1: yeah and this isn't going to be a laundry list of apps we're going to, we're just we've picked a few categories and we want to share a couple of our favorite little workflows and I think there's going to be something good in here for everybody. I'm I'm actually kind of excited about this episode.
0: I am, too. But uh, we are actually pulling double duty today. You and I are recording back to back podcasts because as soon as we get done with this iPhone productivity show, we are recording our relay members only show that I believe they're they're uh, staggering the release dates. I believe ours is coming out next Tuesday or so.
1: Next Tuesday as this show publishes. I think it's just coming.
0: No, no. I, I think it's tomorrow as the show publishes.
1: Yeah, there we go. So the
0: same week as the show publishes.
1: Can we tell them what it's about?
0: I think we told them last episode. So, yeah, go for it.
1: It's going to be about Star Wars and Star Trek because it's kind of an ongoing thing we have here. But we've never really talked about it deeply because it's not really a Mac power user subject. <laughs> but both Katie and I are very passionate about our Star Wars and our Star Trek. And we thought it would be fun to kind of share why we love them, what we like about them, what we don't like about them. And um, and just kind of riff on that a little bit. And we're going to do that in the member show. So you got to be a member to get that show. But if you want to hear the whole story about Star Wars and Star Trek, now's your chance.
0: Yeah, so if you are a Relay member already, uh, make sure you check your email. Make sure you check your same Later box or your spam filter or wherever that stuff gets accumulated. Uh, Relay sent out an email last week uh, with all the details of how you can access those special member-only RSS feeds. If not, you can log into your Relay member account and get all of that information and goodies there. If you're not a member yet and you still want access to all of this great content, because all of the shows on the Relay FM network uh, will be publishing special bonus episodes during this special two year anniversary month, uh, head over to relay.fm/slash MPU and you'll see information at the top there about how to become a member. You can either choose to support just Mac Power users, in which case your support will come just to David and I, less the costs and expenses. Or if you just can't pick and you can't decide which shows you like because you like so many of the great shows on Relay FM, you can decide to support all of the great shows and, and your contribution will get uh, divvied up among all of the great hosts over at Relay. So uh, go check that out.
1: Well, one thing on that, I'm not going to tell you what because Katie Floyd told me last week her two favorite Star Trek movies, <laughs> and uh, I watched them over the last couple of days.
0: I, I watched one of them last week after we talked about it. Yes.
1: Don't you what they are. You got to listen to the show if you want to hear it. But. But I, I want you to know I did homework for that show, too.
0: Excellent. Excellent.
1: So uh, so like I said, this isn't going to be a laundry list of apps. But let's talk about a few areas where we think we can be productive with the iPhone and, and share a few tips, apps and ideas on how to do that.
0: Let's uh, let's talk first about calendar and appointment management, because this is something that I do quite a bit from my iPhone, um, both checking calendars, seeing what's going on in the day and even creating events.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's in your pocket, right? (laughs) So this is one where if you spend a little time figuring out the right workflow, uh, creating and managing appointments is uh, something that makes a lot of sense on the phone. Now, we've got in the works a full calendar management show. Um, There's some new updates out to some of our favorite software. We want to go over what's available and what the, you know, compare and contrast. And that's going to be a full show. So we're not going to cover all of that now. But maybe this is a little tease. Uh, how are you doing calendars on your phone, Katie?
0: So I have um, a hybrid approach to calendars on the phone. My primary calendar app for viewing and entering data is still Fantastical. I love Fantastical on, on the iPhone. Um, but I have a couple of other apps that I use for different purposes. Um, one is BusyCal just recently came out with an iOS app. And it's really, really, really good. It's got some of that native language processing. And the thing that BusyCal does better than any other app I've ever used, and BusyCal has just always done this right, is they do shared calendars better than any other app I've ever used. So BusyCal gives me the uh, the ability, if I need to like, if I'm just checking my calendar, I'm probably going to open Fantastical. But if I want to see what's going on in the office on a particular day or a particular week, and see what is on all of the shared calendars for the people that I have in my office, then I'm opening BusyCal. So I have Fantastical and BusyCal both loaded up on my phone pretty pretty regularly because that's going to show me at a glance what's going on with everybody in the office, who's available, who's doing what, are the conference rooms in use, and what's going on there.
1: Yeah, one of the, I, I like you, am a Fantastical user. I, I really like, the thing about Fantastical on the iPhone is when you're uh, looking at the next couple of weeks, it's often difficult to to click between dates, and a lot of the calendar apps require you to do that you know, select a specific date and see what's there. Uh, Fantastic Cal has this kind of infinite list of events where you just scroll down and it shows you them as you go through the days coming forward. That's a really great way to find an available date. Like like one of the you know ideal solutions or needs for calendar on my iPhone is I'm in a meeting and someone says, "Hey." Dave, let's meet again. We want to talk about something or can you have lunch with me or whatever? And so I pull my phone out of my pocket right in front of the person. I can open Fantastic All and I can just scroll down to find the next block of time that looks good. Um, uh, one of the things I like to do is, is, is bunch those events, you know, because I like to work at my desk and get work done. When I get dressed up and go out to a meeting, It's really a time suck. So I like to put them all in the same day. So if I can make three meetings on one day, it's better than three days with one meeting. So I'll scroll down, look for the next day that's got two or three meetings and, and, and busy, I'm sorry, a Fantastic Al makes that possible. And then you just hit the little plus sign and you can dictate right in, you know, using their natural language. And that, that's a super easy way to create events.
0: Yeah. And just to back up, if you've never used that before, it's kind of magical. You can just say, set up lunch for David on, uh, August 23rd, and it will create an appointment on August 23rd at 12 noon because it assumes lunch is at 12 noon, lasting for an hour that says lunch with David.
1: Yeah, and another keyboard they have, and I, I did a screencast for them. So, you know, you can go check that out um, where I, I actually did the screencast mainly on the Mac, but there was some iOS stuff there too. But they've got a syntax. So if I like said lunch with Katie, and then I put at the end slash MS, then it would put, put it on the Mac Sparky calendar. Or if I type alarm thirty, then we we'll put an alarm thirty minutes before. Um, I do occasionally jump over to Apple Calendar because one thing I do like if I'm if I'm going to be it's going to be the day I'm driving around is I like travel time on my appointments because travel time is a, is a great idea. Um, in the old days, you had to either like if you had lunch at twelve and you knew it took a half hour to get there, you'd set the appointment for eleven thirty to one instead of twelve to one. Because you knew that you were busy in the time it took to drive there. With travel time, which came into Apple Calendar, I believe, one operating system ago. I think it was iOS 9 or 8. I don't remember.
0: This time of year, they tend to blur together because you're like, was I on a beta? Was I on the actual one? I don't know. Yeah.
1: It's at least a year. It may have been two now. But you can add a travel time and it designates it differently, which makes a lot of sense. Another way I used to do it before Apple supported travel time is I would create two events. One would be travel and the other one would be... um the actual event. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the calendar show, but there's all kinds of cool things like life hacks you can do with calendar events. But anyway, so travel time is good. Uh, Fantastical does not support it. Apple calendar does, I believe busy Cal on iOS supports it as well.
0: So can I, can I tell you my, my hack for travel time?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I use Fantastical for kind of import importing and uh, I'm sorry, inputting my events, but I don't use it for notifications. I, I've turned off all the notifications for Fantastical, but left on all of the notifications for Apple Calendar. And because Fantastical and BusyCal all use that same calendar store, they're all pulling from the same information. So it's not like you're gonna keep duplicating things. Yeah. But by having all of that information in Apple Calendar, you're going to, and having the notifications come from Apple Calendar, you're gonna get those travel time alerts. So even without putting any additional information in, it will tell you traffic's light today. You can leave by 8.15 to arrive on time or traffic's a little heavy. You need to leave 15 minutes early.
1: Yeah. And, and another advantage with iOS uh, or watch OS 2 is that the Apple calendar is more stable in terms of getting all the events over a third party app. Sometimes the Apple watch just doesn't get the events from Fantastical or BusyCal. I don't know if they have a, a watch app, but I mean, when you have a third-party app, it, if it doesn't get priority enough for the phone to push the event to it, you're not going to see it, which is a bummer.
0: And that's what started me down this path because I, I've been using the Apple notifications on the Apple Watch for um, forever. And I thought, well, I wonder why I just don't do this on my phone too. And it turned out it worked well and gave me some additional features I wasn't expecting.
1: Nice. Yeah, that will change with watchOS 3. Um, to watch os three, you can, it will be pulling data a lot better. Like, um, very shortly here, we'll have some solution to that problem, but okay. So, so, uh, so on the, um, calendaring stuff, I don't do like big calendaring things. Like if I'm setting aside a week of time for vacation or doing kind of some of this hacky stuff, we're going to talk about the calendar management show. Um, for me, the phone is kind of the quick and dirty Add an appointment, check availability. What about you?
0: That's true for the most part because you got to realize during the day I'm at the office, I'm typically sitting at my Mac and I can do that kind of stuff with the Fantastical uh, menu bar app on the Mac. Uh, however, I do have a third-party utility on my phone called Calendar Paste, which um, basically what it does is, is think of it kind of like clipboards or, or better yet, think of it like a template for your calendar. So if you have the same Type of well i'll use this as a perfect example, David, you and I tend to record mac power users it's It's an hour and a half in duration, like you can set a clock by it, and Mac power users is almost always like an hour and a half in duration um and especially if we're recording with a guest, we typically invite the guest to record mac power users and in the notes field we we have a, a set of notes for the guest with how to connect via Skype, instructions for setting up their microphone and sending us the file, and those types of things. And so I've set up a couple of templates for certain types of calendar events. Somebody may set up a template for like a a Pomodoro timer or not a timer, but a Pomodoro block of time. Some people may set up a template for um, a sporting event. Some people may set up a template for a work shift. Things that are always the same um, are, are great options for setting up these types of templates.
1: Even like a, a w- weekly status meeting with your team, yeah, you know, something like
0: that. Right. So you set up these templates in calendar paste and it's fairly inexpensive. It's it's two bucks in the app store. Um, and, and then you're done. And so you create it in calendar paste. And then when you're ready, you just click on it. And all you have to do is set the date and time because obviously the date and time for these types of things fluctuates. Uh, and then it will create a pre-created, pre-populated calendar event with all of that information in it.
1: How often do you do that?
0: I would say probably not all the time, but at least several times a month.
1: Yeah. It's nice having those tools available. You don't have to do it. You know, I guess these rules aren't hard and fast, but the stuff that we typically do on the iPhone doesn't need to be the only things we do for productivity. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you.
0: I'll tend to set these up also for um, client meetings because if I, for different types of client meetings, if I have clients that I want them to bring a certain set of documents or the same types of meetings, Um, I have templates for those that I'll send to the client.
1: Good. Well, let's move on to the next topic, and that is email. Now, we covered iOS email in MPU 328 fairly recently, where I went through and did my kind of debrief on the existing iOS mail clients. Um, And I don't want to redo that show.
0: So that's all we got to say about that.
1: No, actually, there were some things we didn't cover on that show that I think are relevant <laughs> here because we didn't really answer the question that show. Well, what is what makes you productive with email on an iPhone as opposed to an iPad? And and for me, um, I'll go first on this one. I I use email on the phone as a form of triage. Largely, I get a lot of email. I do not sit there and answer all my email on my phone, even using dictation. It's just not fast and efficient enough. For me to do that, and I couldn't keep up. And I know, so I guess if you had a low volume of email, or if you were really, really good at thumb typing, you could do all your email on your phone. I don't. Um, Instead, what I do—the kinds of things I handle on my phone—is like triaging, looking through things. Like if I get an email from somebody who bought a book and the download didn't work, um, I'll flag that. You know, I can actually fix that problem from my phone, but it's—it's pretty difficult on a small screen. So I just use a flag and flags are something I don't think we've ever talked about on the show, but you can flag emails and, um, some people use them in a lot of different ways. The way I use them is as a temporary attention, you know, exclamation point and flags are removed by the end of the day. You know, if I flagged it, the next time I sit on my Mac, I'll see there's some flagged items and I immediately go and fix those. Um, uh, but I, that, I, it starts on the phone. I can do short replies from the phone. Um, even uh, now, these days, after we did that, since we've done that iOS email and I did, had that kind of spirit quest to find an iOS email app, I'm using some of the third-party apps to do more advanced things on my phone, like saving uh, PDF receipts out of emails, um, which I talked about a bit on that show, so I won't go to it in depth, but there, a lot of these apps have the ability to save an email as a PDF. And I did, by the way, post, since we published that show, that script. Did you ever check that out, Katie, that script I posted for Workflow?
0: Uh, is I think I saw it on your blog, yes.
1: Yeah, you should try it. So uh, it, what it does is, let's say you're in Dispatch or um, one of the other mail apps that we talked about that does um, PDF generation. You just hit the share sheet, and then you have a Workflow workflow, which I'm I'm giving to you for free. Just go to my website and download it. Um that will allow you to name the file, insert the date stamp, and put it in Dropbox or iCloud storage. And so all that's just one tap. It's actually faster for me now to save a receipt to my storage system as a PDF on an iOS device than it is on the Mac, which I thought would never happen.
0: Oh yeah, and you you got a little uh you got a little video here too.
1: Yeah, I made a video so you can kind of see it in action. The um, the problem
0: is, is there's no share sheet in Apple Mail. So you got to use one of these third-party clients, right?
1: Yeah, you, you do. But the third-party apps are good. Like I, lately I've been using, I've been favoring um, dispatch uh, for a couple of reasons. It's it's not, um it's very utilitarian uh, and it does a really good job with some of the stuff. Like the other thing you can do out of Apple, out of dispatch is you can save an email to an OmniFocus task, but we're going to talk about that later with Capture. Uh, with task management. Uh, The other thing I do with email on my phone is I kind of have this workflow where if somebody sends me something I want to reference later, part of maybe a legal problem or maybe a review I'm writing, I either have an Apple note I save it to, or if it's more of a form thing I'm going to use over and over again, I save it to Ulysses. And both of those apps are on the iPhone. And it's really no trouble for me to select, copy and then open one of those apps and paste it in the appropriate place and then archive the email. So... I do this kind of basic level processing with email on my phone. When I do answer emails, largely it's done with transcription with, you know, Siri or uh, or Dragon anywhere. How about you? What do you do with email on your phone?
0: You know, I always think that I'm so good at email on my phone. And then when someone replies to an email that I've sent on my iPhone, I can read what I've sent, you know, back down below the reply. And I find so many.
1: Yeah, I I find that's a bad idea. Yeah. Reading that.
0: (laughs) I find so many typos and so many um, uh, just, you know, bad autocorrects. I'm just like, what was I saying? How can they know that that's what I meant? It's just it's embarrassing sometimes. So I'm trying to do less email on my on my phone. I think people get the the general idea.
1: I I occasionally get emails from friends that say um, or colleagues that say, hey, I wrote this on my phone. So please excuse any typos.
0: Let me, yeah, what do you think about that?
1: I'm generally against those kinds of signatures, but I am really tempted to do it on my phone because like you, a lot of times I will see that I dictated something. And like, what I really hate is when it mixes up a word. Like I say, we are. We're. Yeah, and you know, it always wants to put a contraction in. And a lot of times it it like switches. I don't, I can't think of an example offhand, but you know, it it will like A-R-E for O-U-R. You know, and and then you read it and it looks like I'm I I just don't even speak the the English language because the way it went out, I'm I'm increasingly tempted to do it, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it.
0: I have mixed thoughts on that. And my my first inclination was not to do it because this is a problem that I can completely solve by better proofreading the emails before I send them out but yet clearly i haven't solved it because it's still a problem so i guess the question is will i solve it by better proofreading my emails i've been hesitant to do it because i really like the idea of especially clients but people that i send emails to not knowing whether or not i'm in the office and i'll i'll give you an example my um my financial advisor every single email i send him i get a response very quickly but it says sent from my iPhone. And I, I, I I love him and I, I enjoy working with him, but it just every time. And I just, I think, man, are you never in the office? Why, why are you never at work? Why are you never in the office? What's going on here? And I, I, I keep telling myself next time I'm going to see him, I'm going to take his phone and, and add a professional email signature. So it doesn't say sent from my iPhone. Um, you know, but on the other hand, I don't really care that much because he is getting back to me promptly.
1: Yeah, and it could be he just prefers answering email on his phone, and he's sitting at his desk doing it. Could if be you just don't know.
0: But but I think if I'm getting that impression from him, and I chuckle it off and laugh, but what other impression and am I, am I sending other people?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's a difficult call, but the to me the big thing about email on the phone is. I take it seriously as a triaging tool. And because I spend the time going through it, like I, I've got, as as anybody who listens to the show knows, I use SaneBox. So I've got these different folders. I've got the feedback folder. I've got the, you know, later folder. I've got, so I, I can go through and triage these in little bites. Like if I'm in line somewhere and I want to get serious about email, I'll go and triage one of the folders. And when I get to my Mac, there's even less email to deal with because of that, or my iPad. And there's a couple flag there that I already know I need to deal with. I haven't, you know, it puts them to the top of the list when I'm at a place where I can fix whatever the problem is. And uh, the phone is very efficient for email, but I don't use it to just as the sole place to, to deal with email.
0: Right. And I agree. I, I tend to use my phone primarily for triage, and I'm best with that. Putting things in the same later folder, the same tomorrow folder, for, forwarding them to, to OmniFocus. And um, right now, I the last couple of days have been... Uh, eh, who am I kidding? The last week has been pretty crazy and my uh my email's gotten a little out of hand. I'm I'm hoping to be able to get a better hand on that soon. <laughs> I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to MacPower users, and that is Eero. You know, everything in our home these days is powered by an internet connection, our speakers, our thermostats, our front door locks, our security cameras, even our light bulbs. We are increasingly looking at streaming services like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime for our home entertainment system. And really, you know, Wi-Fi is the foundation of all of this. We are completely dependent on it. But Wi-Fi is broken. And I want you to imagine for a minute, what if our electricity was like Wi-Fi? If you went into your bedroom, Room and plugged your iPhone into a socket in the corner, and it didn't work as well as when you plugged your iPhone into your living room. Well, Wi Fi is spotty, and we would not tolerate that from other types of services. So, why do we tolerate it from our Wi Fi devices? You've got to get the best possible connection today. You need a distributed system that can provide you with a connection all over your home. This has previously been really expensive to do and very complicated to set up, but not anymore. With Eero, you can install an enterprise grade Wi Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This is not a Wi Fi extender. Each Eero unit has two radios inside, keeping your connection fast and everything in sync with one network name. You download the Eero app on your iOS or Android device and it will walk you through the setup process. It is quick, easy, and painless. And the Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. So you'll always know how many devices are connected at any given point, And you'll be surprised. It'll be a lot. As well as the internet speed you're getting from your service provider. And Eero customers, best of all, receive free updates to their service overnight. So you'll always have the latest features and security updates. So I've installed Eero at my house. I liked it so much that I installed it at my parents' house too. Now they've got a massive 3,000 plus square feet Brick home that was built over 30 years ago, it was a nightmare getting Wi-Fi working in their house. I have spent countless hours and thousands of dollars trying to make this work for them. We've used everything from multiple routers to hiring electrician to install cable to power over Ethernet lines, and nothing was great Except the Eros just seem to work. We've installed three of them, and now they've got a blanket of Wi-Fi all over their house. So the average U.S. home is easily covered by two to three Eero's. A three-pack is a great starting point. And if you have a large space and you need more, you can add up to 10 in total. And because they have a 30-day money-back guarantee, you can always return one of the Eero's if you end up not using it. If you want to find out more about Eero and get one from yourself, just head over to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. And because you listen to this show, you'll get free overnight shipping because believe me, you'll want to get this set up as quickly as possible. Just select overnight shipping when you get to the checkout and enter offer code MPU. So thanks so much to Eero for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. All right. So we've, uh, we've talked about calendars. We've talked about email. How about contacts? Um, contacts has always been kind of a. Uh, an afterthought for me because I don't do a lot of contact management on my phone, but I do look up contacts quite a bit. Um, What about you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the phone is the thing that's in your pocket when someone says, Hey, do you have so-and-so's phone number? Um, And it's really great for that. The, The way I generally handle that on the phone is through spotlight. You know, you just pull down and start typing the person's name. Like I don't put the contact app on my home screen. Nope. But I, I do access it through Spotlight. So if I just pull down and t- start typing Katie, it, it'll know it's Katie Floyd. And iOS 10, by the way, is even better at this. The, you know, the, the screen is designed even more user friendly. So it's even easier to, to share and do stuff with that information. Something I think a lot of people don't do is when you're with a friend, because almost everybody has an iPhone or at least a smartphone a device of some type. Um, it's really easy to share a contact card information through a text message or email or whatever, you know, choose your poison. Had a a lunch with a client the other day and as a business attorney, I'm always interfacing with my client's accountants. I mean, it's just part of my, my life because every decision we make, you know, I I think if you work with the accountant, you know, hopefully it helps the client out. So he says, Hey, I got a new, I got a new accountant. And and I said, well, I need the contact information. He says, well, I'll get it to you since I get back to the office. And I said, well, do you have it on your phone? He said, yeah, I do. So I just showed him how to access it with Spotlight and then press the little share button and then type my cell phone number. He had it in his his phone. And within a few seconds, I had it saved to my device. Uh, so sharing contacts, accessing contacts is something I do on the phone all the time. Uh Organization, not so much. Uh, there is an app. We talked about this going back to the contact management show called Interact, which does a really good job at organization. Um, on the phone, the times that I open Interact are for I don't open it to find a phone number. Uh, because like I said, with the spotlight search, it's just too easy. But when I add a new contact, like when that accountant's name was given to me, I opened Interact and then accessed the accountant's card. And then I could add notes and I could save it to a particular um, group in my iCloud uh, contact groups. And that was something I could do on my phone that I not used to not be able to do on my phone. And I do that all the time too. So that's another kind of uh, contact management workflow for me on the phone.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I wish I could find a better solution for um, is adding contacts to the phone. Aside from if somebody already has a contact and is sending it to you uh, via text message or by email, like you mentioned, I'm still looking for that great business card scanner. And the best one by far, hands down, that I found uh, is Evernote. And of course, it's their premier feature that is, is only available in Evernote Pro. So it may be the thing that keeps me on the Evernote Pro subscription but it is just wicked good in its ability to um, recognize contact information on cards, to get it right, and to get that information into your contacts. I have tried dozens of these card scanner type apps, uh, and, and they're just all bad, I think. Um, I don't know, maybe I have particularly difficult business cards for to them to scan, but I spend more time cleaning them up than I would just manually inputting the contact information.
1: See, I think this is a function of how many cards you get. I am, I don't collect that many business cards. So uh, I've looked at these options. We've even done shows where we talked about it. And I I spent, I bought like every app that did it. Like the last time we did this on the show, it was like within the last year. I remember what. I know. And I bought the one you said to buy and I don't like it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I always ultimately fall back to I don't get enough cards. To make this a, a big problem in my life, somebody gives me a business card, I sit down, I open the contacts app and I just type in their name and their phone number and whatever information I want to take off the card and then I throw it away or I, or I scan it and I just save it and then I do that at home on my computer, but I just, I just manually enter them. That's what I've been kind of reduced to. I think if you had a job, like, I think some people out there, I'm sure we've got some listeners that are like salespeople who get like 20 cards a day and they've got this massive workload. And, and for those people, they're going to need something stronger, but I'm lucky if I enter, you know, 10 cards in a month.
0: My problem is, is when I do it, I don't, I I do it in bulk. I don't do it often, but I do it in bulk. Like I've been going to a couple of events, uh, like with the local chamber or with local networking groups where everybody just, you know, everybody, that's what you do is you pass around business cards. And I gotta say, I don't skin everybody's, but it's, you know, if I think they're an an interesting prospect or a potential referral source, um, I will, you know, I'll put them in with a little tag saying, you know, where I met them and, you know, make a note to follow up. But, you know, I may do 10 or 15 at a time.
1: Don't you hate those, like those guys with the skeevy, like networking techniques, like where they shake your hand and their card is already in their hand?
0: Yeah, I, I have two pockets and one card goes into one pocket. If and then the uh, you know, if I if I if I get kind of the eebie their card goes into the other pocket.
1: I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, really, come on. Mm-hmm. If I want your card, I'll ask for it. Don't do this weird thing with the handshake. Yeah, I or had one where I went to I met a guy because I do networking, too. I mean, we all got to make a living in. Some guy, um, he went through my LinkedIn and I met the guy first time I ever met the guy, right? He says, I went through your LinkedIn and here. I printed out all your contacts and LinkedIn. I highlighted all the people on your LinkedIn list that I think could be good for me. If you would just be, just go ahead and, you know, introduce me to these people.
0: <laughs> You're like, thank you. Blocked.
1: I, I was at a restaurant when he did this. And so I walked like 20 feet away. And um, I literally just threw it in the trash can. I mean, I just I could not get rid of this thing fast enough. And then I turned around and he was watching me <laughs> like, well, I don't think I'm going to be getting any business from that guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, you know, if people are going to act like that, they, they don't want to give you any business. They don't want it to be a mutually beneficial relationship. They, they yeah. just,
1: you know. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I have a different theory on that, but that's probably another show. Maybe Jason and I will talk about it sometime.
0: Yeah, there you go. We're giving giving you topics for free agents.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. So, but but contacts are something you can do on your phone. I think. Um. If you're afraid to add new contacts or manage them, interact. Plus, the contacts app is all you need. And um. And I I do it all the time. I, I'm not afraid to sit down with a business card and just type in a contact and then just toss the card right there.
0: All right. We did a whole show recently on on contact. So anything else we can add there?
1: Uh, No, except I'd I'd like to hear from the the listeners on all these subjects. So if you've got something we missed, let us know.
0: Still looking for a great business card scanner. Um, I've been scanning them a lot just with my ScanSnap. You know, there's a business card uh, app in there.
1: Yeah. Is that working? Pretty good. Yeah. But if you're doing 10 a month, is it really worth it? Yeah, that's the question I ask.
0: That's a good question.
1: I, I, I don't even capture like. All the information, like like I still giggle when I get a business card that has a fax number on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I I don't think I need that. I'm okay. I ever um ever talk about my Wiley Coyote cards?
0: Um, I know you use Wiley Coyote a lot. Do you, did you have cards made?
1: Yeah, when <laughs> I um I don't know. When I was like, you know, when I was a stupid kid, they, there was a um there was a cartoon with Roadrunner where Wiley Coyote gives him a business card, and it says Wiley Coyote, super genius. Okay. yeah. And I thought that was like the coolest card in You know, Imagine, you know, 13 year old nerdy Sparky and just totally enamored with the idea of having a business card that says David Spark, super genius. So um, when I got out of law school, a friend of mine, this was before, you know, home printing solutions really was there. But a friend of mine had like a little printing machine at his house and he was making cards for people. And I said, could you make me one that just says David Spark, super genius? You know, because that's how arrogant and stupid I was in my 20s. Um, and he made me a bunch of them. So I used to carry them around and occasionally I'd give them to a friend as a goof. And, um, and one day I went in court and I wasn't paying attention and I gave that card to the court clerk <laughs> and she's like, Mr. Sparks, what the heck is this? <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> oh man. Then I got rid of those cards. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, task management. Uh, you know, this is a topic we've never actually covered on the Mac power users task management. So it's kind of fun to be. Looking at it for the first time, Uh, but we never covered it. I guess we have covered it a few times, but we never really talked about it in terms of iPhone productivity. And, you know, I want to get into the brass tacks a little bit of what is it that I do in terms of task management on the phone as compared to all the other stuff I do.
0: Well, because especially now with with OmniFocus, which I know is, and I've got some other tools that I use, but probably the one that you'll talk about the most. That's kind of the beauty now is it's it's everywhere. It's on the phone. It's on the watch. It's on the iPad. It's it's on the Mac. Um, so what goes where?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the two things that the phone just are perfect for with uh, with a task manager, and I'll talk about it in the context of OmniFocus. But if you're using To Do or one of the myriad of other. Um, task managers we hear from our listeners about, this would be true for those as well. Um, I think the first one is capture, obviously, you know, the phone is always in your pocket. And whenever you think of something you can do, then you should be capturing with it. And uh, OmniFocus makes this very easy. You can use a Siri connection, which we've talked about, where you can uh, ask Siri to save it to a specific list. And then it'll automatically appear in OmniFocus. OmniFocus. You can also just use Siri dictation inside OmniFocus, which I think is good because it allows you to add the rest of the details to the task, like context, start date, due date, project, all that other stuff. And, and both of those are super easy. Uh, in OmniFocus, just about any screen that's on the screen, there's a little plus box in the lower right corner of the screen. You tap that and you're uh, ready to go with adding a new task. Um, I also use the watch for this a lot. I know that's not really kind of in the scope of the show, but the watch is a great place to capture those tasks. I mean,
0: the watch pairs with the phone, so I think that's in the scope.
1: Yeah, you, you force press and you, you open the OmniFocus app. And all this stuff, by the way, is going to get so much better in a month when I watch OS 3. We're going to do a show on um, the iOS 10 release, and we're going to cover watch OS 3 in that show. And having used it now for a month or two, everybody has an Apple Watch, You, are, it's like Christmas is coming to you. That's all I can say. It's so much better. Your your watch is going to feel like a brand new watch.
0: So I heard that you were like, of all of the people at WWDC, I mean, I think even Gruber mentioned this, that you were the cowboy who um, who installed both iOS and watchOS, the very first beta, on your carry phone and carry watch at WWDC.
1: I know. Isn't that stupid? <laughs>
0: pretty bad i mean and and you're someone who makes a living both you know relying on that phone working
1: i was drinking the kool-aid that's all i can say i i had so much fun at wwdc i always do and and i saw the demo of the watch stuff on stage i'm like it cannot be that good i mean i almost felt like it was like some magic trick it's so much faster. It saves some apps to memory now. It's like all of the things that we had problems with, with the original release of the software. And I remember reading, um, what was it called? The ones by, um, it was something like Chronicles of the Silicon Valley. or something. They, they talked about when they released the first Mac. And, you know, when Steve did the thing on stage where he brought the Mac out of the bag and it said, gee, it's so happy to be out of that bag. And it was talking and it was doing all the original Mac, you know, the 128K mm-hmm. Mac. And at some point he said, somebody disclosed at point point that the Mac they used on stage was not a 128K Mac. It had some extra RAM in it. And you know it was like almost a prototype they're working on for the next version of the hardware, but they wanted it to sing on stage. And I felt that way at, at WWE. I'm like, there is no way that they're doing that on current hardware. It's just that there must be a trick. Maybe this is the next watch they're doing this on. And then, um, because I installed the beta on my Mac, on my Macbook, I, at some, I don't know, for some reason, at some point, it just, the screen showed up on my, my, uh, phone and said, Hey, the iOS 10 beta is here. You want to try it? <laughs> and I, uh,
0: really those don't just show up magically. Yeah.
1: Well, I, somehow I, you know, because I've got multiple devices. Oh, and I had, um, I had attached my one of my iPads to it as well. So I was running it on one of my iPads. So suddenly the what the, the, um, the um, phone says, do you want to upgrade to iOS 10? And I'm like, you know what? Heck with it. I'll just press the button and see what happens. I'm sure I can unwind it if, if things are really terrible. And, uh, fortunately for me, this was a pretty stable beta and the, um, and, and I was able to get the watch stuff running very quickly and it really is good. I mean, it's really fast. I mean, like I said, we're going to do a whole show on, um, I 10 in about a month, but it's, uh, it's the real deal. So if you, you don't have to replace your Apple watch, uh, If 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 performance is your big hang up, because the new software is going to make it feel like you got a new watch. But anyway, uh, getting back to capture. So in addition to capturing through the app, um, I mentioned dispatch as an email solution. I really like dispatch for capturing emails into OmniFocus because it uh, I like him better than the mail drop, you know, the uh, OmniFocus mail drop where you can email a mail from your phone to a magic location and then it shows up in your inbox. And that's a great feature, especially if you're using Apple Mail, because Apple Mail doesn't have a way to send something to OmniFocus directly. But I've, I've come to be a believer in dispatch for this. And I run dispatch next to uh, Apple Mail and it just depends if I hit a mail that I want to use the dispatch tools, I open it up in dispatch. It's not a big deal. And the reason it's better is because they have a custom implementation of the OmniFocus import. And by the way, Dispatch does this for a lot of popular um, task management apps. So even if you don't use OmniFocus, this will probably work for you. And it opens up OmniFocus and creates a new task. It saves the body of the email to the note of the new task, which is what you can do on the Mac already with a Clipatron. So it's almost like having the Clipatron on your iPhone. And it gives you the ability to fill in the project data, whether you flag it, whether it's due or deferred, you know, all of the details you want in relation to that task. And the reason that's better than the mail drop is because the mail drop just creates it in the inbox and you have to go later and do that processing. But while it's on your mind, why not just do it all at once? And I strongly recommend if you're an OmniFocus user, using something like dispatch or airmail, um, or the one that I didn't end up using that I talked about on the show that has escaped my mind. You remember the third one, Katie? Spark? No. Spark. Yeah. Yes. How could I forget Spark? One problem with the Spark export to Omnifocus is they use the built-in Omnifocus share sheet, which doesn't give you as much control. Whereas Dispatch and Airmail open it in Omnifocus, which is I think superior. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I didn't use Spark. Um so anyway, so I use uh I capture Omnifocus through mail. Um, the other thing I do with on the phone with OmniFocus is the 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 problem of the text message. You know, when someone text messages you something that turns into work for you, how do you get that into your task manager? Because it's not really that easy. I mean, there, there's not a easy, simple way to share. Sometimes you can do it through a share sheet. Usually what I just do is um, open up OmniFocus and dictate a new task. Uh, same thing with Slack and phone calls. Those are the other two things that happen on the phone as I'm reading Slack and I decide I need to make a task out of that or a phone call. Uh, I just open up OmniFocus and do it at it the traditional way. Um, the other thing I do with OmniFocus on my iPhone is I execute, you know, I have these lists. I, as I go through the day, I pull it out of my pocket and I see what's next on the list so I can check it off. And boy, does that feel good. What about you? So
0: I guess if we're going to stay in the OmniFocus realm, I, I don't add a ton of tasks to OmniFocus specifically on my iPhone in the OmniFocus app, but I do so in other ways. So I think we've talked about, I use Siri quite a bit to add tasks to OmniFocus. And OmniFocus has this ability to read things from the Apple Reminders app and add it to your inbox in OmniFocus. And I've actually set my default Reminders list to auto-import to OmniFocus. So if I just tell Siri to add something to my Reminders list, that's ultimately going to end up in OmniFocus, and that has worked very well for me. I know you do it a little bit differently because you have to tell Siri to add something to your OmniFocus list, um, but yes. same same type of thing. But that's how I capture all of my tasks because I don't, by default, I don't want anything going into just the plain Jane Reminders app, unless I'm I'm putting it in there. I also use it uh, to check things off. Um, you know, just go through and check. I, I will add things to OmniFocus if I if I decide that I need to. But you know that's it's not my favorite place to add tasks. I would much rather add tasks, um, you know, through the iO uh, the iPad app or, or or through the Mac app, where I can go ahead and, and add more information to it. But if I can, you know, send it through another method, then then I'm more more likely to do that. Um, I'm also, in addition to OmniFocus, I <laughs> I just went through and looked at this. I have four task management apps on my home screen. I have them all in a row now. It seems a little ridiculous.
1: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Casper. Save $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash MPU and using the offer code MPU. We never really think about it much, but we spend a third of our life on our mattress. And I don't know about you, but I never really spent a lot of time thinking about that in the past. When I was young, I bought the cheapest mattress I could find, and it was so uncomfortable. Later, I got enough money to buy a nice one, and it cost a lot of money, and it still wasn't very good. It had springs in it and would creak when I'd roll over at night. This is where Casper comes in. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep. They've created one perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers. This eliminates the middleman and all that inflation in the price. All of those savings are passed directly to you as the consumer. The Casper mattress is an award winning mattress developed in house, and it has a sleek design. And is delivered in an impossibly small box. The mattress itself combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create a mattress that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce and no squeaky springs. I've got a Casper mattress in my house and I love sleeping on it. Casper now also has an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. Because there's no middleman, the cost is great. Mattresses can often cost well over fifteen hundred dollars, but Casper mattresses cost five hundred for a twin. $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. And you can get $50 off with the coupon I'm going to tell you about at the end of this ad. They're made in America, and the buying process is risk-free. Before Casper came into my life, the way I would buy a mattress is go into a mattress store and lay on one for a couple minutes in my clothes, and it really wasn't a very good test. Casper has this problem solved. You get a 100-night home trial. So if you buy one, You can sleep in it for 100 nights and decide whether you like it or not. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. We've talked in the past about how fun it is to open a Casper mattress, which comes in a box. Just trust me that if you decide to buy one of these, you're going to have fun unpacking it. The big point here, though, is that a Casper mattress is obsessively engineered. For that one-third of your life you're going to spend on a mattress, it might as well be a good one. And because Casper's cut out the middleman, it's one you can afford. So start sleeping better now and head over to casper.com slash MPU and use the offer code MPU. It gets you $50 off your brand new Casper mattress. You're going to love it. And thank you so much to Casper for supporting the Mac Power users. So in addition to OmniFocus, what are all these other apps in your collection?
0: All right. So OmniFocus is one. Uh, Do is a rem- is uh, the second one. Todoist is the third. And then the default Reminders app is the fourth. And I've got them all lined up right in the little room. And they all serve different purposes.
1: Yeah, And we've talked about do a lot in the past.
0: Do, I don't consider more to do app. I consider it more a, a better reminders app. It's more like reminders that are time sensitive.
1: Yeah. Um. So th- there's that. It's the pestering app. That's the one that pesters you.
0: It is. It is. And I, I like that quite a bit. And then the reminders app, the default reminders app is really there for more list items. It's more like my checklist apps. It's the things that I'm picking up from the grocery store when I go next week. It's, it's the things that I have to do on a, on a specific list. And I also have used it for shared reminders with other people. So if we're sharing a project and we each have lists, um, that's what I do in reminders. And sometimes I also have in that reminders app, I have a, I have an app, uh, I have a list that I call priority. And that's if I have a very specific event that is time sensitive Instead of you know like like a very short term event that is time sensitive, I will um, instead of creating a project in a whole project in OmniFocus, um, I'll just add that, those short term one off things to the priority
1: list. Now that's interesting. So it's kind of like your napkin list.
0: It's 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 exactly what it is. It's like what I would write on a post it note or a napkin and stick in my pocket. It's a, that's that's a great way to do it.
1: How often do you do that?
0: Um, I I would say a couple of times a year. I mean ma- maybe not quite once a month, but but maybe um you know, one once every other month or every, you know, several times a year.
1: Can you give me an example? I mean, like when you used it last I'm I'm just trying to figure out why it would be separate from OnMe Focus. Um like or whatever your task manager is.
0: Um okay, like if I'm having people over for dinner tonight or this you know, tomorrow night or or short term. If it's something short term and I've got like 10 things that I need to do between then. I've got to get the laundry done. I've got to get, um, you know, the, um, the, I, I don't know if I've got to, you know, pick up beverages. If I have to let the steaks marinate, if I have to, if it's, if it's just a bunch of one-off things that I, that I have to do.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But, but short-term on a short-term scale, it's almost like it would be too much trouble to set up a project for something that's going to happen in the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see that. I definitely use um, reminders as my list app. It's not really things that go on me focus. Like it's a list of things I'm going to buy at the store. It's a list of Christmas presents that I want to buy. It's a list, you know, those kinds of things go into reminders and the ability to share it, you know, especially if you've got a significant other that you want to easily share things with. I just was in target the other day and I opened the list and my wife had put several items in there. So she's, She's using it more often now. And I was able to bring them home for her. And that made me, you know, be able to help her a little bit. And that that made me happy. So uh, that's great for the reminder stuff. But generally, if it's any kind of project, it just goes, in, goes into my project manager app for me. But the uh, I can see how you would have occasions where you want a little napkin list.
0: I think I might rename it my napkin list. I like that name. It's very fitting. I just called it my priority list, but I like it. It's a fitting name.
1: You can have that one for free.
0: I appreciate that. It's all yours. Yeah.
1: Now, now, where does Todoist fit in all this? Because you have to do-
0: to doist, I we is something that we have adopted recently, using at work, um, and it is exclusively for shared tasks within the office, uh, because we had no, we don't have a practice management system at work, uh, and Todoist is specifically for um, sharing tasks and sharing projects within uh, for people within the office. So, if if I have a specific project that my legal assistant is helping me on. That will become a project in Todoist that we will share with each other. And then either of us can add items to that project and assign it to the other or check them off. So it's, I mean, if it's something that I'm doing exclusively and that I'm the only one who's working on, that's for me and I'll put it in OmniFocus. But if it's something that I'm collaborating with other people in the office or other people in the office need to be aware of what's going on, um, that I do in Todoist.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Collaboration is always a challenge with some of these apps. The um. On the, so a couple of follow-up points on task and project management on OmniFocus. The other thing I do, the things I don't do on it are like, uh I don't do much review and process, you know, like clearing out my inbox or clearing out, you know, my daily organization stuff. I like to do that on a bigger screen with more real estate. It just makes more sense to me. I'll do it on the iPad quite often, but I won't do it on the phone much. Um But with this new version of OmniFocus and this ability to create these task templates in editorial. Uh, it, it really has opened up the world of templates to me. And now I'm up to something like 35 templates. So everything that can happen to me, I have a new client and I need to get them a retainer agreement. Well, that's a project for me. Now I have created a sequential project that, that you know, goes through everything from collecting the information to, creating the, the, the actual retainer agreement to sending it to them, to checking up with them to make sure it gets signed and saved to the right place. And, you know, so every time I do that, I do the same six steps. So why not have a template? So I've created all these templates and they work now better on iOS than they do on the Mac, which is, you know, it's so funny when those subjects come up, I guess I'm still not used to the fact that some things can not only be delightful, but they can be more efficient on iOS, and I'm, I'm finding myself do this on the phone because you just open up editorial, you run the script, you fill in the client name and the date that you want to have it done by. And everything is added on me you focus. So you've added like six tasks in the time it took you to create one.
0: Can't you do that with workflows now, too?
1: Well, that workflows is a part of that, actually. they. I mean, there's it's kind of complicated, but it's complicated in execution, not in creation. So anybody can do this. In fact, I would recommend...
0: There's a guy named Sparky who made a field guide about this, isn't there? Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't think I mentioned on the show, but I did release the newest version of the OmniFocus video field guide. I've, I've teased that I was going to, now it's out there. And everybody who bought it should have got an email with a download link for the new one. If you didn't, let me know and I'll make sure you get one. Uh, but I added 45 minutes of learning how to script OmniFocus with templates in iOS and everybody that's watched it that can stand listening to my voice for 45 minutes. I've got a lot of really positive feedback with people who are saying this stuff is really helping them improve their productivity. And you can do that on the phone. So uh, just um, I was in a hospital the other day for a good reason. I'm a I'm a godfather again. Huh. And and the um, and I did a bunch of tasks. I created a bunch of projects just using my phone sitting on the bench in the hospital. So that
0: would be start college fund. Um, yeah. Reserve <laughs> domain name for child. <laughs>
1: it's my goddaughter who had a baby and she made me the godfather of that baby too so that was kind of fun that was kind of fun i'm I'm a great uncle katie floyd that's weird i remember the great uncles in my life they were like ancient they were ancient they were old people yeah
0: um all right I've I've got to get more into automating my uh, I've, I've got the automation down on the Mac side, but I really need to be able to do it on iOS. I guess I should check out the Sparky Guys field guide. On it, it.
1: It's way better. Like, for instance, um, I'll send you, you know, I'll send you the Mac Power Users project template.
0: You have a project template for Mac Power Users. I just figured you winged it every month.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But no, it's like it's really long. It's like, for instance, it has. You know, tweet the episode and the due date is two days after the episode publishes. And like all this stuff can be automated. So it's it's really nice.
0: I just automate it to tweet using if this than that. So I don't even have to remind myself to do it.
1: Uh, so the other thing I do for uh, project management on the phone that I find useful, and this is kind of project planning side of it, is my node. You know, I, w- I've talked before how I like to kind of brain, um like, you know, brainstorm on ideas. And having my node on my phone actually is very useful where you can add little nodes and do some kind of mind mapping with a phone. I thought that might be a thing that for plus phone users more than regular phone users, you know, the bigger screen makes a difference.
0: Have you found since you've upgraded to the, the huge Mungus phone that uh, you're doing more of this type of stuff on it?
1: I think so. Yeah. It's easier for me to type on it. Um, I make Omni outlines on it. I, um, I do mind mode planning. Some of the stuff we've talked about on this show, I do with it. So uh, I've even done some ref photo, photo editing on it. So it's not as good as an iPad, but it, it is a lot better than the smaller phone. Yeah, I just can't imagine. I've totally adapted to it. I, my wife has the smaller, I say smaller, but it's actually still a pretty big phone. The You know, the, the regular six phone.
0: Yes, I know. And,
1: yeah. and I was just using it the other day and it felt really small in my hand.
0: And I was just thinking how nice it might be. Go back to the SE size.
1: Yeah, I could see you doing that.
0: All right. Anything else on task management?
1: No, let's go over to the next subject.
0: This You've got kind of a generic one. You're calling this utilities. That That's a pretty broad category. I wasn't sure what to put here.
1: Yeah, it's stuff that helps you be productive with a phone. That's specific to a phone. Um, there's a couple that I want to talk about. Um, one is our old standby friend, Drafts.
0: Yeah, this Sparky guy did some video tutorials on Drafts too, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and that's not, you know, it sounds like I'm promoting all these videos, but the uh, but Drafts is an app that allows you to easily capture text on your phone and do things with it. It's been a, a a topic we've discussed several times on the show. I don't think we've ever given it its own show, but the um, I did about forty five minutes worth of videos explaining how to use the app. We'll put a link in the show notes and
0: well, and I don't mean to toot your horn here, but I will say. I think I think the, the folks at AgileBits, I think Greg, really made a great decision having you do those video tutorials, because I think a lot of people don't get drafts. And that's really one where it's hard to explain in words. You have to see some of the things that can do.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like, for instance, if you want to send a, a, so I'm thinking about this baby, right? And so I've got these little text message groups with my wife and my two kids or my sisters or, you know, particular pieces of my family. I've created draft scripts where I can just open up drafts and dictate a sentence or two and push one button and it goes to a specific group of people. Now, I know that you can do that in the messages app, but you've got to find the right group and you don't always find the right group. And sometimes when you pick the wrong group, it gets embarrassing because you send the wrong text to the wrong people. Yeah. Uh, you know, drafts automates all this stuff or send something to OmniFocus or create a new calendar event in Fantastic House. Just almost anything you want to do with your phone and words. Drafts can do it faster, um, and it's something you have to kind of spend a little bit of time with. I would recommend if you want to learn it, like find a weekend and just watch those videos. It's like it's like forty minutes of your life, and just try a couple of them. And I'm sure a few of them will stick with you. And uh, it does allow you to be more productive with a phone.
0: Um, this is a great use for the uh, the Apple TV because they've got them on both a Vimeo and a YouTube channel, so you can just queue them up and play right through them on the couch.
1: Another app that I really like, and uh, I was, um, there used to be an app called Clips that would allow you to save clipboard clips, and it still exists on iOS. And I was using it, and I, I, I uh, actually contacted our pal Federico Vitigi, and I said, "Look, I, I want more power out of a clipboard manager for iOS," and he turned me onto this app called Copied, uh, C O P I E D, and I just started using it the last couple of weeks, and I love it.
0: Tell me about that. What does that do?
1: Well, it's a, it's a copy. Um, you can save um, clipboard stuff to um, to it. And it's got a menu you can choose from. It's got a keyboard if you want to install a separate keyboard on it, so you can kind of scroll through your saved clips and then paste them in. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted it is because I'm writing so many scripts for Omnifocus and editorial that I wanted to save some of the, the key terms that I use repeatedly. Uh, so I can just copy and paste them as, as needed. Um, Also, there were some pieces of um, text that I was using over again that didn't necessarily fit in text expander or for whatever reason, didn't make sense in text expander. So I saved some of those clips in there and it's just kind of a, it's a clipboard. So uh, for instance, if you're building a contract or a lawyer, um, you've got different pieces you want to use in different sections of the document, but um, you're not going to get them all at once. So you save seven of them to this copied app, and then you can go and pull them out as you need them and put them into your document. And it's just super useful. They've got it on the phone and the iPad, and it it saves, it syncs via iCloud. So wherever you work, you've got all your clips available to you. And uh, a very happy purchase. I think I paid $3 for it. It's free, but then you pay $3 to get the sync. Right. It was money well spent.
0: Yeah, I like that as an idea and I like the fact that they're letting you kind of try it for free, but the real functionality comes in the in-app purchase cuz it's kind of the workaround for the free trials problem.
1: Yeah, and and the last last one I would add is workflow, which <laughs> I use I use constantly, but that's like its own show. It's, it's oh, we like,
0: we have done a show on workflow.
1: Yeah, no. And it's not I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, but it's uh it's it's quite powerful if you want to be productive with an iPhone.
0: I want to thank Automatic for their sponsorship of this episode, and they've got something new to tell you about, a brand new Automatic Pro. This is their new unlimited 3G car adapter with no monthly fees or subscriptions, and you can save $20 off the purchase of your Automatic using the coupon code MACPOWER. So Automatic has just launched the new Automatic Pro, and here's a couple of the new features. First, there's an always-on 3G connection, which lets you know where your vehicle is parked at any time, lets you track your vehicle in case Of theft. It also works with tools like If This Then That for endless customization to connect your car to the rest of the internet and the rest of your life. You can link your car to connected devices like the Nest Thermostat or the Amazon Echo. Like I ask Alexa sometimes where I parked my car or how much fuel I have left. And you can even get help in a crash with Automatic Pro. They can detect severe accidents and have trained responders call for help when you can't. Now, Automatic Pro is normally $129.95, and that's a one-time fee, by the way. You don't have to pay for the 3G service. That comes included. There's no recurring subscription. But we can do even better than that. Through this exclusive offer code, you'll save $20. So you can head over to automatic.com slash MacPower for more information. And again, use that code MacPower to save $20 off the regular purchase price. I have an automatic in my car. I can't wait to get my hands on the new automatic pro that was just released and take advantage of the new 3G connection. So I don't have to always have it connected to my iPhone. Automatic works on nearly any car made after 1996 and connects to that diagnostic port. It takes just minutes to set up. And I use it all the time to track my driving habits, to keep track of mileage and do things like that. In fact, one of my favorite uses for automatic is trip tagging. So when I finish a trip with automatic, I've got it to set to pop up a notification on my phone. You can also get that notification on your watch and tap a single button to tag that trip. That lets me know that that's possibly a business-related trip or otherwise a trip that I can deduct on my taxes. That information syncs across automatic servers. I can save it to a Google spreadsheet with if this then that. And when it comes tax time and I can deduct those trips or write myself a check for business-related expenses – I've already got all that data saved with Automatic. No fuss, no hassles. It's just easy to go. So if you want to go check out Automatic and check out the new Automatic Pro with their new 3G connection, head over to automatic.com slash MacPower for more information and save $20 off the regular purchase price. Thanks so much to Automatic for their support of the show. Really wasn't quite sure what to put in this category, but so I I kind of included uh, utilities that I use almost exclusively on my iPhone that help me get work done. So I think that qualifies, right? Yeah. That don't otherwise fit in one of the categories that we have.
1: It makes the cut.
0: It makes the cut. Um, I, I have been, I, I'm working on a project that I'll, I'll share the details of uh, a, a little bit later t- with our listeners. But um, as a result, I've been getting a lot of deliveries uh, recently. And as we learned about on the Amazon show, I kind of have a problem with Amazon. And I I just, I do a lot of online shopping and I have a lot of things that are getting delivered at my house.
1: Katie, are you building your own submarine again? I
0: am building my own submarine. It's yellow and (laughs) uh, it's uh, uh, lots of little pieces that are involved in the submarine. But um, I'm I'm having all this stuff delivered to my house and I have had a little bit of trouble in the past with um, things disappearing off doorsteps. Thankfully that hasn't happened in a long time, but these things are coming at weird times and it's kind of hard to keep track of it. So I've used three services to be able to figure out um, when things are coming. Um, And two of them are very similar. Both um, the UPS and FedEx have a free service that I learned about during iOS delivery time, iPhone delivery time. Uh, UPS is is called UPS My Choice, and FedEx is called FedEx Delivery Manager. Um, And they have companion iOS apps. And what it will do, and the U.S. Postal Service now offers this as well, although the U.S. Postal Service's alerts are annoying. But what it will do is it will inform you when a package is on its way. So sometimes people send you tracking information. Sometimes they don't send you tracking information until late. Sometimes they don't send you tracking information at all. So you put the address that you want to monitor. It tends to work best with a home address. But you put the address that you want to monitor In this service. And as soon as, like, a UPS or a FedEx or a priority mail shipping with tracking label is generated for your address, um, it will send you a notification saying, a package has been generated to be sent to your address. This is the information that we have on it. This is your expected delivery date. So typically, I get these notifications even before the shipper has sent me notice to expect a package. So I usually then forward those to the deliveries app, which we have talked about quite a bit. And then it will continue to send me updates and let me know what the pro- the progress is of the delivery if I want. I think I have mine only sent to update me the day before it's delivered. And it will send me a delivery when it's a notice when it's delivered. Um, and it is like wicked fast. Like the the UPS guy hasn't gotten um, off my porch yet. And I'm getting an email saying your package has been delivered. So I really like this, especially when you have high value deliveries that are coming because you, you want to be able to get home and get them.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. What about this next one? I want to hear about this next one.
0: Uh, Oh, one more feature that I'll mention of some of them, um, like the UPS and both the FedEx ones, you can actually redirect that delivery. Like I had a delivery that was coming um, when I wasn't going to be home when I was traveling for one of these many, many weddings this past summer. And I was able to redirect that delivery to the local UPS or the local FedEx store, and they held it for up to a week. So I didn't have to deal with it sitting on my porch or anything like that for an extended period of time. So that was nice without having to lose it.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: Um, so I'll put links in the show notes to those. The uh, The next one I have is I was a pretty early adopter of the Ring video doorbell, which we've talked about before because I wanted to be able to see when people were – this was before I tried these services because I wanted to be able to tell when the FedEx or the UPS guy came to my door and dropped off these packages. And what this is basically is it's a video camera in a doorbell – that um, has some motion sensing capabilities that will tell you when there's motion in front of your home, and it will also tell you when someone actually rings the doorbell. And the alert for motion is key because I don't know why, but I cannot get any of my delivery drivers to actually ring the doorbell. They just, unless it requires a signature, they just drop and run, and they will not ring the doorbell. So I will get a notification on my iPhone anytime there's activity near my door and anytime someone rings the doorbell. And if they actually ring the doorbell, then it will start a video call to my phone where I can interact with them on the phone. And that's pretty cool. I can give them permission to drop the package or, or do whatever I need to. Um, but more so, if you pay the 30 bucks a year for their monitoring, um, you can actually see what happened. So if you get the notification and you see that someone was at your house and you miss them, you can go back and watch the video and see what happened. Um, Oh, was it just the lawn guy who triggered the motion? Was it a package that was being delivered? Um, Or is it, you know, someone who really shouldn't be there who's at your front door? And I kind of see this as like a safety feature because they say that typically, you know, if a burglar is going to break in, one of the common things that they do is they'll go ring the doorbell first to see if anybody's home.
1: Well, how hard was that to install? Because I'm really tempted to get one of these. I I I have like a home office that I work at several days a week, and Seems like every time I'm getting my head down and working on a project, the doorbell rings. And I'll, you know, so then you like get out of your zone, you go downstairs, answer the door, and it's like somebody that wants to sell you something that you're not interested in, or they're left a package. Or I mean, so often it's just a completely unnecessary interruption where if I could just look at my phone and know what it is, I don't have to, to do that. Um, but well, what's involved with installing this?
0: Mine, I have a wired doorbell. I don't know, you know, so like when someone rings the doorbell, yeah. it goes to a, a a box in my house, no, it's a, wired. A ding-dong box. A ding-dong box, yeah. Um, and it's like, two, it's low voltage, I think. It's two wires that goes to that. So mine was a matter of unscrewing two screws and disconnecting the wires and then connecting those to the ring and screwing them in. So... It was a 10 to 15 minute job, if that.
1: How much is a ring doorbell? I'm I'm just completely now self Ballpark.
0: (laughs) I I think it was in the two to two fifty range. Mine is the older one that is not HD. I mean, it's good enough. They've got newer ones now that are HD. But I've had it for over a year now and I haven't had to recharge it because mine, you know, trickle charges off the
1: The two wires. yeah, Yeah, off the
0: current that comes in the two wires. It is hysterical. On Halloween, why is that? Because because the kids realize what it is, and they're like, "I'm not pushing that button. I don't know what that is." But of course, you're recording them the whole time because they've already come up.
1: That would be kind of fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so going back and watching the Halloween footage was hysterical.
1: I wonder if they're going to make a um, a home kit friendly one. You know, it seems like that's the next thing that all these people are doing.
0: Yeah, they've got some if this then that integration. so you can use it to do things like unlock the doors. I think with some some of their partners and some of their integrations, but I don't know. I've liked it. It's it's I, I had some reservations about it initially because I was an early adopter and they had some issues with like the, the motion and the motion sensor still isn't perfect, but it's gotten a lot better. And my biggest gripe with it is like if I wanted to, I couldn't just check in and see what was going on at the front door. Um, but they fixed that with a recent software update. So my two biggest gripes with it initially have gotten a lot better.
1: That might be my next treat yourself gift, you know? Yeah, I have to do that. All right, what else are you using for utilities on your phone?
0: Um, the two other ones that kind of kind of fit in this broad category are um, I use online banking app. Uh, I bank with one of the bigger banks and some days I feel good about that. Some days I don't. But the main reason I do is because they have a ton of features where I basically don't have to go to the bank and talk to anybody. I can deposit checks and transfer funds and pay bills all from my phone. And I haven't had to go to the bank in years and it's a glorious thing.
1: Okay. That's kind of weird, Katie. I like going to the bank once in a while.
0: Well, if if only I could get this app to give me actual cash money out of it, it would be perfect. I mean, that's like, it's only four stars because it does not actually.
1: Well, the, the only port the iPhone's going to have is a lightning port. So it's gonna, the money's going to get a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, uh, but that's <laughs> it. Um, and then the other one I use is um, I have a VoIP phone system at the office. And uh, obviously there's a lot of different apps that work depending on the phone system you use. Uh, but that's been crucial is being able to make calls and appear as though I'm in the office when I'm not actually in the office. Yeah,
1: hey, let's talk about those, um, those apps that, you know, the spy cam apps, you know, where it used to be the spies carry a little camera and take pictures of documents and now our phones can do it. Um, do you do any of that?
0: Sca- oh, going paperless on the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. Um, I've got a, a you know, th- one of the things that I love about this category is that the apps keep leapfrogging each other, which means Every couple of months, these apps keep getting better and better and better. So I keep switching up which apps I use every couple of months because they just keep they just keep getting better. Um, The one that I'm using right now is Scanner Pro. And uh, I go back and forth, but that's the one that I'm using right now because um, I I think it just makes a, a good scan and it's got some nice features. But they've added some features recently Um, including the ability to automatically name something. So by default, I can name something based on the date and add, add a name to it. And they've also added, you'll appreciate this workflow integration. So I've created a number of workflows that for example, will scan an app or scan something and save it to my business receipts folder and then delete the scan. So I don't have the scan sitting there on Dropbox and then scan something or save it to my action folder or scan something and save it to Evernote and then delete the scan. The big key is I don't like the scan sitting in the scanner app. And so we'll do whatever it's doing and then delete the scan. But I know that that document has now been saved up to my cloud service of choice. I don't have to deal with it anymore.
1: Yeah. I don't know if like, for me, I still want my scanner at home, you know, my big boy scanner, cause I get lots of stuff to scan but for the one-off pages, the stuff on your phone is great, especially like when you're out. I, I often use it for like receipts when I go out to eat or um, if somebody hands me something at the airport and I want to make sure I don't lose it and I have a scanned copy. So that kind of stuff I find it very useful for. For a long time, I was using ScanBot as the uh, app of choice. I, I, like to, um, I like to use ScanBot. I, I like kind of the the whimsy of the app, like they can, you can change the colors and they have these tokens in it. So you can have a token for the current date and you just tap that and it puts the current date in and then you can create custom tokens. So like when I talk about, say my my Hazel workflow and I want to save a receipt to a specific folder on Dropbox with the word uh, Max Sparky expense in it, because that's going to trigger Hazel to do something. Uh, That's done through tokens in ScanBot. Um, I went over and tried scan scanner pro because they, you know, they, like you said, they leapfrogged, they came out with this new kind of workflow stuff where you create a workflow that does the same thing. doesn't require you to tap tokens. It just inserts them for you, which is a little better. I think, um, another nice thing I like about scanner pro over Scanbot is with scanner pro, you can scan multiple pages without having to say next page. You just, I don't know how it works. It's like magic, but you have, you put one page in front of it, it, captures it, you put another page, it captures that and it saves it all as one scan, which is a really clever way to go about that problem. But that being said, by the time the show publishes, for all I know, Scanbot's going to have something even better. <laughs> but it seems to me like those are the two apps that are in competition now for the, you know, the king of the hill on these scanner apps. They do OCR. They do, you know, all the stuff that you think they should do, they do. I right now I'm trying Scanner Pro um but Scanbot I got really used to so we'll see how it all plays out.
0: And we've we've kind of talked about kind of the secret sauce to all this is if you can upload it to a cloud service um like Dropbox or something like that then then you can do all kind of magical things on it on your Mac with Hazel.
1: Exactly. I mean that it's just like it's the gateway. So once you save it just like we're we're saving things to the action folder. On the Mac with the scan snap. when you're on the road, you can do similar things like business cards. We talked about earlier in the show. You know, I I save them with a scanning app. I don't want to take them on the plane home. I just want to throw them in the trash in the hotel. So if it's not something I have time to stop and, and manually add the entries now, like an animal, um, I just take pictures of them with the scanning app. And then they go into a certain folder and, you know, it knows that they're business cards. And then when I have time at the end of the month, I'll go through and add them on my Mac. So. Uh, that's the kind of stuff you can do with these apps, even with like kids, like, you know, my, when my kids were younger, it's like every Friday they brought home artwork and funny things they'd written and stuff that you just love. And it's, you want to keep it all, but you, you would need to add a room to your house because there's so much that comes home. And I've often thought that what I used to do at the time was I would take my favorites and then I have I take them uh, to the to the office and I um I put in a um, I just scan them you know and then I've got a folder and I've got so I can go when I'm old and drooling on myself I can go back and look at those things, um, but I think this would be an excellent use for phone scanning because you you'd be like in the room where you're going through the kids folder you could just grab pictures of the ones you want and then get rid of the rest or get rid of them all because you grab pictures of them, but. In the name of is all this holy, don't let the kids see you. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the um, that happened once. We uh, we went and cleared out a whole bunch, and then we had a windstorm. And uh, my daughter, who's now in college, but she was very little. We had a windstorm. The windstorm blew over the recycle bin, and she went outside and saw one of her pictures in like the gutter. And she's like, "Daddy, <laughs> it mm. felt so bad." <sighs> no wonder they hate me. I wonder. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniGraffle. Check out the preview for version 7 at the omnigroup.com. OmniGraffle is a tool for your Mac, iPad, and iPhone that can create precise, beautiful graphics for just about any purpose. I've used OmniGraffle to create my family tree, prepare exhibits for trials, and even design my backyard landscaping. Omnigraffle combines power and ease of use in only a way the Omni Group could bring it to you i know a lot of mac power users use and love omnigraffle because i hear from you all the time if you've been thinking about omnigraffle now's the chance to get yourself in on the free trial of the brand new omnigraffle 7 public test the omni group's getting ready to release a new version and for the meantime they've got omnigraffle 7 available as a public test I've been using it in my day-to-day work, and it's rock-solid stable, and it gives you a really great test drive of OmniGraffle. The new version adds some really great features like SVG import and export, an infinite canvas so you can make your image as big or as small as you need it, and artboards that enable you to work faster than ever. The new version has a unified sidebar so you can find whatever tool you need very easily. And I really like the point editor tool. So now when you have an image on the screen with OmniGraffle, you can add points anywhere on that object and start dragging them around to change its shape. You can even do that with lines and letters. There are some really powerful tools in this new version 7. And like always, the OmniGroup does a really good job of bringing them to you in a way that's not overwhelming. If you've never tried OmniGraffle before, this is a great time to give it a shot. In fact, if you do so, I want you to download it and just start using it. Don't read any materials. See if you can just figure it out right out of the box, because most people can. It's incredibly accessible for a graphics application. When you're done, you can take advantage of version 7's new export panel that makes it easier than ever to get your graphics out of OmniGraffle for use in your Keynote or your Pages document or wherever you need it. To learn more, head over to omnigroup.com and check out the OmniGraffle 7 preview. You won't regret it. And thank you, Omni Group, for your continued support of the Mac power users. Something that doesn't really sound like productivity uh, possible on the phone, but I think is, is writing on the phone. Like, dealing, you yeah, know, we talked about drafts a little bit, but about, what about, like, getting, like, some writing done on the phone? Is that something you do at all?
0: I certainly don't do any long form uh, writing on the phone. Um. But I, I tell you, there there are times where I try to bang things out on the phone because it's what I have. It's what in my it's what's in my pocket, and I'm sitting in a waiting room or I've got nothing else to do. And um, I especially, you know, like for example, if if I'm trying to prep an outline for Mac Power users, or I'm adding something to an outline that you've prepped for Mac Power users, um, a lot of times I'll I'll pop into to Google Docs uh, and and try to do something like that. So that's, that's not uncommon for me to, to go in and try to tweak something or, or revise something on the iPhone. It's not an ideal experience, but again, if you can bank something out quickly and it's the device that you have in your pocket, why not take advantage of it?
1: Yeah, I think, I think this is a thing that like maybe the big phone makes it more doable, but like the, the, sh- the outline for this show, I wrote a lot of it yesterday sitting on at a, at a bench in a hospital and, um, and I just open up Google Docs. So, so what are the apps that we use for this? We've already mentioned Google Docs. It's a it's a great collaboration tool. It's kind of ugly as a. I wouldn't pick it as my my perfect word processor, especially if it was something that I wasn't collaborating on. In fact, I've never written something in Google Docs that wasn't a collaboration. Not that I think about it.
0: All right, and I know this is the iPhone show, but we should mention that Google Docs finally just got split view support on the iPad.
1: Amen. Amen. Um, but the, uh, but it's, it's really good on the phone. I mean, in terms of what it needs to do, it gets you into your text, allows you to, to, uh, make additions. We, we heavily rely on bullets because, you know, these shows are outlines. They're out, you know, they're bullets and, um, Originally on iOS, the Google Doc support for bullets was pretty terrible. It's like you, if you didn't have one in the document, you had to block and copy basically to use bullets. <laughs> and it's um, gotten better. And if you didn't have a bullet in the outline to begin with, you were you know SOL. And so, so we uh, we actually made templates with bullets in them that we could use as a resource. It was just it's nutty all the stuff we did, but they fixed all that. So now you can get in and add an asterisk, and it will create a bullet. And it's it's easy enough to work on. What I was thinking about, though, is also um, I'm working on a field guide right now, a, a written book field guide. And because I'm at the point where I'm editing it uh, with my editor, uh, she prefers to work in pages, you know, because you can track changes and make comments. And it's, it's a very good collaboration tool for that kind of collaboration. And so I, I have um, pages open on my phone and I was going through and looking at her edits and making tweaks and adjustments to text that I'm going to eventually put into this new book. And that's something that I would never have done on my phone before. But now I do on a pretty regular basis because, like I said, the phone's in my pocket and the screen is big enough to to pull that off.
0: Yeah, I think this is something we're clearly having the bigger phone Definitely helps. Uh, if I had to pick an app to to write on in the phone, it would probably be Byword. But honestly, most of that stuff for me starts in drafts and then and then goes somewhere else. I, I think writing on the phone for me, part, partially because of the size, is is really an option of last resort.
1: Well, you know, and something since the since for the first time, uh, the real long form writing tools. Are available. I mean, everybody. The big news lately in our nerd circle has been, hey, uh, Scrivener is on iPad and Ulysses is on iPad. Uh, but both of those apps are also on iPhone. I mean that that release to iOS covers both applications, right? And and I don't find them great environments to sit and write from scratch on, but I find them just fine for editing and kind of proofing. Just like the way I triage email, I can triage words on a phone. And the idea of this whole show, I think, is you've got this thing in your pocket and you're going to have downtime. What if you decided to use that downtime for something other than, you know, Flappy Bird or whatever? And to say, well, I, I've got 10 minutes. What if I was able to to clean up, you know, 20% of my email problem for the day in the next 10 minutes? That's possible.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is that your iPhone can be a great editing device, Because sometimes if you, sometimes it helps just to change the context and to change the appearance of the words. And it helps you look at them and see them differently and to pick up things and pick up errors that you would not otherwise see them.
1: Yeah, grammatically, I find looking at it on a different device, I'll find comma splices and things that I just didn't see before because I... I, mean, I was used to looking at them in one typeface on one screen, and my brain knew what they were supposed to say. Now my brain has to readjust, and it actually reads the words better. I exactly,
0: think. yeah. And that's just a good editing tip in general: is to change things. You know, um, change the font, change the style, do something different to make you look at the words in a different way.
1: Yeah, even going to a monospace font, I find a good editing tool. Like if you write it in a proportional font, and then you go to monospace; every comma gets its own you know, real estate, and it makes it more likely that you'll see it or not see it, you'll see see it's missing. Okay. Wow, that was a lot of good productivity tips for the iPhone, but you know what we did? I,
0: I hope so. We didn't
1: cover them all. There's some more out there.
0: Yeah. And if we miss them, uh, you know, there's a feedback show once a month that that you can write to us and tell us, how are you using the iPhone for productivity? What apps do you like, and what did we miss? Uh, you can send those comments to feedback at macpowerusers.com. But what we really enjoy is if you send us an audio comment. If we missed an app, if we didn't talk about it. Tell us about it. We may not be familiar about it. We can't cover everything on the show. Uh, Send us a quick review and tell us how you're using it. But please keep it to two minutes or less. We've got a lot of reviews that we can't use because they just go on and on and on. And and we can't use them that long on the show. So two minutes or less. Tell us what you think. Send it to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com.
1: You can also tweet us. We are at Mac Power Users, And if you add the hashtag AskMPU, it goes into a spreadsheet and we're much more likely to use it on the air. There you go. Uh, Katie on, on Twitter is at Katie Floyd. I am at Mac Sparky.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, we've got that Relay members only show that we are getting ready to record in just a few minutes uh, that will be out shortly after this show. So uh, head over to Relay.fm slash MPU uh, to get more information about the Relay membership program. And thank you again to all of you uh, who subscribe to that.
1: Thanks to our sponsors, Omni Group, Automatic, Casper, and Eero, and we will see you all next week.